The sports world is going through a massive disruption now in terms of innovation. There are dedicated accelerators for many, many sports. There is an accelerator for football, soccer, for fan engagement, blockchain. I didn't see a dedicated accelerator yet in golf. We have on our platform hundreds of startups that would be very happy to participate in such a program. We can do it, but we need a leading partner and we will do it together. So that will help because those innovators are young people and those young people are communicating with their peers. More and more organizations now in the golf space in the US and Europe are already bringing some top innovation leaders into the organizations. Young people that understand how to approach this industry. And if you're a golf organization, if you're not doing now, in the next year, if you're not going to take your innovation level up like crazy, you will look like mini minor from the 80s because the industry is going so fast now. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the Mod Golf Podcast, thank you for joining us. We are recording this episode during the COVID-19 lockdown, so we hope that the inspirational stories that we deliver help in some small way as you and your family, friends, and coworkers look to stay upbeat, engaged, and active during these challenging times. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today my guest is Amir Rebe, founder and president of Hype Sports Innovation. Hype is the industry-leading ecosystem with 12 sports tech accelerators worldwide consisting of over 40,000 members and a private VC. Amir was the founder and is the general partner at MG Equity Investments House and was also the founder and CEO of Media Call in London, which was successfully sold in 2003. So Amir, thank you for taking the time today and welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast. Pleasure. Thank you, Colin, for uh, having me. Yeah, absolutely. So you are, as I said at the very beginning, we speak with influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators. And I consider you, Amir, as a quadruple threat. You actually fit in all four of those buckets, the work that you've done (laughs) in sport, in the entrepreneurship space. I'm just really excited and and honored to have you on the show today. So I thank you for that. And I, I did have the pleasure to learn first about Hype Sports Innovation at the 2019 PGA show where I met your CEO, Elaine Hadar. At that time, you were staging a golf innovation pitch competition. And I had him on the podcast briefly to interview the winner when I did a live show there. So I'd love to have you on because it's not just about golf we're going to talk about here. I did want to start, if you could please, to give us a little bit of your background or that journey for you, how you ended up becoming the founder and president of Hype, and explain to our listeners. Some of them will will think, well, what the heck is an accelerator and, and an incubator? So perhaps you could explain a little bit of what you do and why you do it with Hype. Thank you, Colin. Um, well, very short, very briefly, you can hear by my accent, I was born and raised in Tel Aviv, Israel. I'm on the wrong side of the 50s, uh, <laughs> as they say, and uh, I've been very lucky, I think, to be able uh, in this part of my life to put together my two passions. One is sports and the other one is innovation. You know, when you do that, you hardly go to work I wake up every day and it's not a cliche and I'm just feeling that I'm creating and doing stuff that I love and I didn't have this all my life. So I personally know how to appreciate it and I think people around me at least feel the same because when you're you're doing something you love, it's contagious. That's where I am now. I went to London when I was 26, did my MBA, then uh, started a startup before I think the word startup was even used. (laughs) It it was back in 1996. 
we sold the startup, the company, after uh, six years, and then I started a small investment house boutique, investing in early stage startups. When I was about 30, my father told me, Amir, you're working too hard. You wouldn't have time to make money. So I then understood that I need to uh, look at investing and putting some of my, I would say, attention into investing in equity and getting into the equity game. Not all of this was a success, but for me, this was the path that I, I chose. And five years ago, by accidentally focused on one specific activities in sports. And from that, we've launched Hype Sports Innovation, which is basically now the largest sport tech community around the world, focusing on shaping sports through technology. We have now 12 accelerators, which is like hubs, like uh, I would say innovation centers in different parts of the world, from NYU, which we have there as a partner through London, to Bundesliga teams in Germany and in Tel Aviv and in many parts of the world. And recently, we just now, with the coronavirus challenge, we've launched a global accelerator, which is focusing on allowing people from all over the world to, I would say, focus on sport tech, with no borders. So that's quite fascinating. So a bit long, but this is where I am today. And thank you for that. That was, uh, I think that was fairly concise. Your career, you've done a lot of things across the spectrum. So thank you for that. Just to drill down a little more, you talk about a hub or the tech accelerators that you have. Could you just dig down into that a little bit? Just talk about the experience of what you do or even use that as a story or the journey. Let's say I have a sport tech startup with a product or experience, something that we're ready to scale up. We've already proven in the market that we've got some traction and we wanted to apply to hype. How would that process work? And believe me, we've got, I have them every single week. I have entrepreneurs that are in the golf space. So explain to us how you would onboard someone, or let's say myself with our company, if we were then looking to take it to the next level, how would that work with Hype? I would say that our position is similar. You know, if you think about scouting services, you know, if you're a scouter looking for the next quarterback or the next Messi or the next Ronaldo, we are doing the same for startup in the space of technology. We are looking for what they call today the next unicorn of startups. Unicorns meaning the startup with over $1 billion worth of startups. So we are looking for, in our different programs and different activities, we invite all startups from all over the world. The one that you participated in the, alongside the PGA show was focusing on innovation in golf. We have accelerators focusing on fan engagement. Uh, how would the experience of fans will look like in five years' time when we go to see an NFL game? How would this be in the stadium? How would this be when we are watching it at home? And in general, the sports world is going through a massive disruption now in terms of innovation. You can see it in all aspects. You can see it now in tennis where they're now looking at ways to shorten the game, you know, my generation sometimes is pissed off about that because why are you touching these great, amazing games? But we have very little to say. The kings of the crown now are the young generation, the young generation, the Z generation, the Y generation. They are consuming sports totally different. So for them to watch a full game of golf, Masters, too long. Agreed. So yep. the golf, and I, you know, I'm sure I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm by all means not 
uh, an expert in golf whatsoever, but you can see the disruptive ideas starting to come now because golf would like to start attracting the young generation. And, you know, my kids, the older kids are 20, 22. They are playing esports. They are in front of screens and we can love it or not, but this is where they are. And now with what's happening alongside the coronavirus and have everybody is at home now, the esport is booming. We can see already the impact on esport and games now. ESPN now is broadcasting esports. So would this get to golf? You know, is there any way to bring the two worlds together? So sports and esports. And like any other segment, golf is going to go through different, I would say, disruptions, whether it's the length of the game, whether it's how long. I know already they put some timers alongside the shots, how much time you have before each shot. So the game is changing. We can like it or not, but this is reality. So I always like to acknowledge what we have and see the opportunity in everything. You you make a great point there as far as the length of the game and yourself not being a recreational golfer or not being a, a regular fan of golf in that. Other sports, yes, especially soccer. I understand you're an, an avid soccer player and fan also from my understanding. You have three sons. I'm assuming they love soccer too and other sports. But with golf, and you made a great point about that length and looking at other sports that have compressed down either the professional or the recreational game and some of the validators that we've looked at in other sports. A great one is cricket. I know most of our audience here is yes. American that listens to the podcast. They're like, don't really understand cricket that much. But if you can imagine, I, I tell it to my American friends, well, you can imagine a 45 inning baseball game that lasts five days. And if it ends in a tie, everybody's happy with that. And they're like, well, that sounds terrible. <laughs> and I think, as you know, Amir, with what they've done over the years to then compress it down into what's called 50 overs into one day and then compressing it down even more into what's called the yeah. 2020 right, format, right. which takes the same amount of time as an NBA game or an NFL game and they've aligned that and then created the Indian Premier League which is now mm -hmm. has half a billion rabid fans and so they've compressed the gameplay down they've created the content so it's more appealing to a younger audience and more engaging so they've done that rugby sevens has done that compared to traditional rugby and beach volleyball compared to six aside indoors so there's a, those other sports and golf hasn't quite got there yet even though Keith Pelly who's the CEO of the European Tour. We had him on the podcast mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, and they've experimented a bit with something called Golf Sixes which was only six holes and they had a time clock and it was more fun and irreverent. And they so they were just testing certain things. But golf is still, to your comment that you've made, very traditional, like tennis in the sense that some people, that old guard, are worried about desecrating the game perhaps rather than it's not replacing the existing game. It's another option, more of a, a gateway, if you will, to introduce a younger audience that connects with them in the way that they like to consume content. So I think there's all mm -hmm. kinds of potential there. And with that, I'd like to hear a little more about your thoughts on esports. Like esports over the last couple of years, the trajectory has just blown up on that. I know you're quite hot on that as far mm. as the investment yep. side, especially now more with, as you already touched on, with COVID-19. So can you tell us a little more about what you love about esports and the potential you see there? First of all, if I can comment on, on what you said, the... Sure, yeah. We thought in the past that there are some industries that are moving faster than others and golf is behind, blah, blah, blah. This is old news. We are now in a new world because of this COVID-19. New world meaning, I believe that the disruption is just started. You know, I give you an example. 
My father is, is 84. He's sending me SMS almost every day. He suddenly sent me a Zoom invite. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you think about this, the industry has like pushed and moved fast now as if we are pushed towards 2030 in terms of the willingness and the openness of customers and customer behavior and customer openness for virtual and online experiences. If you think about it, why do I need now to drive all the way to Tel Aviv and two hours and then find for a parking for half an hour if I can do it on Zoom? And why do I need to do a lot of things I've done? My generation used to say, I'm a people person. I need personal touch. That's now being pushed aside. So this will enable more technologies, new technologies to allow people to work remotely, communicate remotely. You can imagine like a time capsule, yeah, that pushed us forward dramatically. So golf in any way, from the little I know, is on the hunt for young generation players and to breed, to attract also tennis, of course, and rugby. And I think now they will need to take even more drastic steps in order to attract. Now, you asked about esports. In the beginning, when we spoke to the big teams, yeah, big U.S. teams and European teams about esports, most of them were reluctant because, you know, it's fighting, it's not really sports, all the reasons. But if you look at that, if let's say the average age of a baseball team or a football team in America or a soccer team in Europe, the average ages is growing all the time. Yeah, especially cricket. Yes. If you look at cricket, I think the average age in cricket is 62 cricket in, in, in the UK. They're all looking how to get into the young generation. Now, the only way to get to them is to go where they are. And they are playing massively, massively. We, we can have our opinions about that, but it's not going to change anything. So they are on esports. So now Bayern Munich, the biggest team in Germany, Bundesliga, decided to go into esports because they would like to tap into the young generation and to attract them to be future supporter of Bayern Munich because that's a way to get to them. So I would say to anybody that is ruling out esport because all the right reasons that our generation is claiming, I think, again, the question is the objective. If we would like to attract new golf players into the game, there has to be something that will communicate with the, the Y generation, the Z generation in their language, the 16, 17 years old, and then until, let's say, 29, 30. This is the ages which we are all now fighting for. And they have different ways of consuming sport. Just to give you an idea, my son is watching sport totally different to the way I need a screen and a great game. He has three screens. He has LeBron's Twitter on. He has YouTube. He has friends, like a social event. It's a different way, different culture of viewing sport. And this will change even dramatically more now because of the coronavirus, uh, I would say, opportunity, I call it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm here in Vancouver, Canada. And what a year, year and a half ago, the Vancouver Canucks, the NHL team, they acquired an esports team in a league. So they're also looking at other ways to draw fans in to diversify their business model with that. So th yeah, this is a trend that's been building over the last couple of years. And I, I know this is not just anecdotal stories that you're sharing with us. I know you're also a numbers guy. Could you share with us, if some of our listeners don't know how big esports is right now. Can you talk about some of the biggest tournaments oh. and the money that these yeah. 
competitors and these teams make off of this and some of the companies, whether it's Blizzard or some of the other platforms that, that are out there that actually own these and what Red Bull is doing now with Battlegrounds. And, and talk about the viewership of some of these big tournaments. I understand it's more eyes on that than even the yeah. Super Bowl. So could you exactly. share some numbers with yeah. us? The final of the League of Legends eSport game, there were more eyeballs than the NBA final. If you look at prices, the 14-year-old guy who won uh, the final of the eSport game Fortnite got $3 million, which was in the same week that Djokovic won one of his Grand Slams and got much more than Djokovic. I think Djokovic <laughs> got $1 million. Yeah. And, and, and they're talking about an industry which will be $30 billion in five years' time. It was five years' time before the corona, so probably now this will be faster. So it's big business, and it's where the kids are to a large extent. And each one of us, if we are putting together a strategy and a brand strategy, I think we need to be aware of that, you know, and play the cards right. Agree completely. So to bring this back down to golf, one thing I've realized in the three years I've I've done the podcast is that the golf industry is a laggard as compared to other industries and either other sports, just as far as innovation, as far as connecting with a younger audience. So with your experience and seeing what succeeded in other sports already professionally and also recreationally, can you make any recommendations to all of the gatekeepers of professional and recreational golf in the industry, perhaps some steps that they can take, use technology and to connect to a younger audience? Do you have any, uh, any suggestions based on your experience? As I said, I'm not a golf player. But what I can learn from what's happening in other industries, first of all, sports suffered for many years for lacking of innovation because I would say the old generation was controlling the keys and they were not interested in that. Also, everything was good. Everybody was making money. The big teams were making money. All good. It's like Uber. Uber has disrupted and, and taxi companies now close their shops because of Uber. So... There was a disruption coming, and usually the disruption is coming from bottom up. And I think the disruption here is the crowd. You know, ESPN is losing two, two and a half million subscribers every year. So they needed to do something to appeal to the young generation. Now, with regards to golf, there are great innovations now. There are hundreds, maybe more, of startups that are offering new experience, new statistics, new training sessions, different kind of experiences on the pitch and off the pitch. There are so many great ideas around that. And I think now already we can start see that there is an opening and people are starting to explore that. And I think the more there will be some, I would say, accelerators, dedicated accelerators. At the moment, there are dedicated accelerators for many, many sports Okay, there is a dedicated accelerator for football, soccer in the Bundesliga. There are dedicated accelerator for fan engagement or different, you know, blockchain. I didn't see a, a dedicated accelerator yet in golf. And I think we have on our platform, I think, hundreds of startups that would be very happy to participate in such a program. Should this be led? And we can do it, but we need uh, usually a leading partner that will take the glove and together we will do it together. So that's, I'm sure, will, will help because usually those innovators are young people and those young people are communicating with their peers 
The other thing is, I think that more and more organizations now in the golf space in the US and Europe are already bringing some top innovation leaders into the organizations, young people that understand the industry, understand how to approach this industry. And the more they do, this will create the difference and the USP. Because if you're a golf organization, if you're not doing now, in the next year, if you're not going to take your innovation level up like crazy, you will look like, a, I don't know, mini minor from the 80s because the industry is, is going so fast now. You can say, no, okay, we'll do a little... No, this requires everything. You know, I tell my team and I tell my customers, you know, some of the federations of golf are still running on Excels, no CRM. The sales process is not really managed automatically, no automation. You have to step up to the 21st century big time. It all starts with that. You know, if you still are managing this with Excels and... I see it all as a one universe. It's moving to the next generation and then maybe create some games and, and virtual experiences and communities. It's all part of the game. Now you can say, okay, but our people doesn't want it. You know, I, I'm sure now the, the generation that is still very active in golf now and is older, maybe older than me, already now is using Zoom and using all kinds of technologies. Maybe it's an opportunity now to step it up and to create something virtual. Maybe there is an opportunity now to attract the young generation in some way, shape or form. Again, we used to do hackathons. We've done hackathon with Puma. We brought students from all over Germany. We thought, okay, guys, what will be the next brilliant idea for Puma? Next shoes, eSport, what can we do? So imagine a room, 30 students from all over Germany thinking about golf, the future of golf. What can work? How can you integrate eSport and traditional golf? This stuff is something that if I was in any position to influence, I would work with the young generation and create leadership. If I'm a leader in any kind of golf activity, I would focus on innovation now and I would create this leadership. So in 12 months time, when people are waking up from this corona and starting to understand where they are, I'm already well ahead of the game. Everything is there and the platform is fully automated, and there are all kinds of new tools and new virtual tools and online tools which are integrated in games, and it's a new platform that is starting to attract the different audiences and integrate the different audiences. You know, now my, my kids can TikTok to my father suddenly on the same platform. Why can't we do it on golf? Wow, that's some great insight you just provided there, but what's working in other sports and where golf needs to go. And I, I do agree that golf is ripe for opportunity. It should look at this optimistically, that they've got this great opportunity to connect with a younger audience, and they, and they still haven't quite figured that out. I'm sure you're very familiar with Top Golf. I know you're in London there, so that's where they started. They've got three of their first venues in suburban London, and that connects with non-golfers. I've done some work with Top Golf, so I know the data two years ago that they had over 10 million visitors and they've surveyed them and they've come to realize that 50% of them, half of them consider themselves or identify as non-golfers, have never played the game before, or pick up a club maybe once or twice a year. So that onboarding for new people and inter using technology, social interaction there, entertainment, food, music, drink, all those other things. And those work. 
and then be able to take that into more of a virtual realm, as you touched on, especially now during these COVID-challenged times, that innovation is going to be turbocharged right now, as you said, 10 years or the next decade compressed down into one year. Because we see during these times of rapid change that are forced upon us, whether it's 9-11 or whether it's the recession of 2008, things have come out of that from the innovation that uh, have moved forward very quickly. Like you look at 2008, that's when Airbnb, Uber never existed before that. And all those things in different platforms, the way that we socialize and based on our behaviors has completely changed and disrupted. So I agree with you, Amir, completely that there's this great opportunity, not just for golf, but for sport across the board. Now that we're forced into this social situation of working and living and interacting remotely and virtually, that golf and other sports really have an opportunity here to explore that because we have no choice now where before they were on the sidelines. And maybe we'll do it in a year, maybe we'll do it in five. But as you said, with your your father already sending you Zoom invitations, that probably blew your mind that, <laughs> that now is the time. The ones that don't seize this right now will be left behind in the dust. So, hey, I also want to ask you a bit more about the accelerators. We touched on that earlier. So you talked about what a hackathon is, so people understand that as ways to come up with ideas very rapidly and prototype those within 24 hours or 48 hours and then Mm -hmm. move forward with the best ideas. Can you just talk a little bit more, because we didn't touch on that, just as far as one of your accelerators, maybe use the one, the partnership you have in New York with NYU. Can you talk a little bit more of how that works? And I know that's on a cycle. If you do that maybe once or twice a year, you talk about how the whole accelerator experience works you can look at it as like a boot camp for uh, finding the best startups. With NYU, we've done a project which is focusing on technologies around blockchain. Blockchain, you know, I've dived into it about a year ago and this blew my mind. The technology around blockchain is, some say, is as big as the internet. So I invite everybody that if you haven't been exposed to blockchain, please Look at that. That's a technology that will change the way we work in terms of transparency, in terms of credibility, that you can create integrity that you can bring into uh, and workability. So that's really very powerful platform that I believe we're going to be engaged with and build our systems around that. We've chose to focus on uh, blockchain in sports. There are already some great applications like tokens. People are confusing blockchain with virtual currencies. That's not the same. Virtual currencies are currencies that are using the blockchain technology. So yes. blockchain technology, you can do, you can use it for many, many things. And I think what we've done there is we've put forces together and we had great companies and we invested in some of them. So this is an example of imagine a center, innovation center that is focusing on the technologies, the sport technologies of the future. We had a great accelerator program running in Australia, in Brisbane, in Queensland University. There is one running now in London with Loughborough University, which is the number one university of sports science. But everything now is shifted to virtual. So like I said earlier, what we've done about uh, four weeks ago, we shifted and we created the first global virtual accelerators. Imagine a virtual hub where you can bring all the great startups. We have over 350 startups already registered for this global virtual. We have huge organization and brands joining us because some of them are saying, okay, it is what it is now. Let's at least use it to find new innovations and to get ready strategically for the day after. So for us, That's like reinventing ourselves a little bit and creating this virtual place where investors can still invest. 
and people can still see what's happening and what's new. And so we are very much focusing on this and I'm really excited about seeing where this is going and what is the shape of the innovation landscape will look like with that. And I'd love to hear that story with Hype Sports Innovation, yourself as an entrepreneur and treating in some ways Hype as an early growth company that you're not just sitting on the sidelines and going, oh, well, we'll just wait it out whenever that is, three months, six months, 18 months until it gets back to normal. As we know, there will be a new normal. This will be such a paradigm shift Mm -hmm. in the way that we do everything with COVID-19 that you very quickly within, gosh, like two or three weeks, you're already pivoting and switching up the way that you do things and, and seeing opportunity. And so you're moving at a very rapid pace there to align with the new normal and to figure that out as you go. So that's that's a great example for all entrepreneurs Look, I, out there. What I found, Colin, uh, is the opposite. I found that we are seven years behind. When I started now months ago and we, we said, okay, it is what it is now. We are all working from home. Let's look at our systems. I thought we are advanced, but we're not. Right. We need to do the same changes. We need to rapidly make everything automated. We are now investing in in infrastructure. I think this is the time to do it. We thought we are advanced, but we we were not. And, you know, it takes sometimes this crisis to really show you how we can do it better and what do we need to do in order to be a little bit more immune and recession-proof when you have things and infrastructure which is not related on old economy conferences and meeting people face-to-face, etc. So anyway, I think this is, uh, for us, it's, I think, the acknowledgement of where we are was important, and now the action of pushing forward in all aspects so we are ready for the day after. You make a great point there. Uh, you mentioned that you were six or seven years behind because what you were doing was good enough or it, it really worked within the context of the here and now. And I see that. You probably see it also in the UK. It's all over the world. Even with the school system right now, with schools being closed, whether it's high schools, elementary schools, or even university and colleges. And my daughter's in the same boat that immediately is, is in university, that within one week, all of a sudden, everything went virtual to online courses. And there was nothing in place already for them. So it's a complete, to say it, it's a bit of a shit show. It's all over the place. There's no standardization. There's no policy. There's no rigor. And they're trying to figure this out on the fly. And it's a it's a mess. And across the board, there's nothing in place there. So I think everybody's been caught flat-footed, but it sounds like with hype, you're not in denial and you're being very proactive and trying to figure this out as quickly as possible to seize new opportunities and get up to speed here. Um, hey, I just wanted to circle, circle back here for a second when you mentioned blockchain, just for all the people that don't really understand that. Of course, myself working as an entrepreneur, I've been involved with blockchain and for some time now and talking about it, this notion of this transparent ledger that you have. And, and those may be buzzwords for people. So can you give an example of a company that has used blockchain in the sport realm? Juventus Football Club, for example, with Ronaldo. They've introduced a system of virtual currencies that when you come to the stadium, you don't need a wallet. From the club, you get some kind of reward currencies and it's all being run and managed on a blockchain uh, platform. So that's one example. The other example which you can look at with blockchain, everything is transparent. So you can see all the history of any transaction back from day one. So for example... One of the problems of sport agents was transparency. There was a lot of issues in in the Premier League when people were taking all kinds of commissions under the table and blah, blah, blah. 
Now there is a way to monitor and to see exactly what's happening in every stage where you're buying a player or selling a player. There is full transparency and nobody can manipulate this system. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. I think that's a great, and, a great example. Yeah. And in sport, as we know, sport has this unique platform for charity fundraising, that philanthropic side. Do you find also with blockchain perhaps yeah. being of use in that realm? Because we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars that are raised. And even in golf, every single golf tournament has uh, that charity aspect to it to ensure that the money actually goes to the right places is effectively and efficiently used as far as being able to track that? What, what are your thoughts on that as far yeah, as that's fundraising? Uh, another uh, fundraising, uh, you know, is big and gives you a lot of tools and diversified uh, coins and currencies to do that and a full transparency and a big confidence in where the money is going. So yeah, by all means, charities, NGOs is definitely another place that this will be uh, used vastly. Got it. Good stuff. Well, hey, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I know you've got lots of things. Uh, you're in London today, so you're uh, finishing up your day over there while I'm just beginning mine. But as an entrepreneur, and especially as it relates to hype sport innovation, could you let all of our golf entrepreneurs and innovators out there know what type of profile or stage are you looking at for sport or even golf technology that might be a fit for one of your accelerators? Can you give us a little bit of criteria as far as what you're looking for in your portfolio sure. we we are looking for uh, ideas which are in the i would say validation stage so you have already a prototype and you can show us what you can do if you're just in the idea stage in your garage and you haven't created the first prototype you totally for us right so if you do have a product even if it's an initial product we're happy to see it. You can join our website. The website is hypesportsinnovation.com. You can apply into the virtual accelerator, one of the other accelerators, and somebody from the team will, will contact you and see exactly if we can help you. For me as an entrepreneur, entrepreneurship is the most difficult but most exciting journey in the world. So if you have this, I would say, uh, <laughs> devil, uh, demon in you, <laughs> You know, don't give it up. Yeah, <laughs> pursue it. It's it's amazing. Yeah, it's not suits for everybody. Yeah, but if you have this passion and you want to go. I think now it's as great time as ever to do it because when market will come back, it will come back triple time faster than it was before. So if you have a great idea, there will be much much openness for everything. So if you have a good idea, that's the time to do it. Put it together very soon. You know, the day after Corona will come. And then market will duplicate itself like crazy. And if you will be ready by then with the right product, I think it will be very good. That's a great insight there. So you see whether it's innovation with startups and entrepreneurs or especially larger corporates, quite often when there's a downturn, the wrong thing to do, of course, is to circle the wagons and pull your horns in and cut staff and especially cut marketing and innovation and the companies that are more intentional and reallocate resources in certain places and very strategic when it does come out the other side, because this is a cycle and you said it will come back in a positive way, very fast and very big, that you're ready and poised to go. If you're just waiting for the good times again before you start from zero, you're going to be way behind and you're, you're not going to be able to compete on that level. Yeah. First thing, if you look at the media prices, yeah, media prices are low as shit, yeah? Yeah. I, because nobody's advertising, you know, uh, uh, booking.com is not advertising, banks are not advertising because we need them anyway. 
Nobody's advertising. So if you do have something to say or even to create a brand, that's the best time to do it. It is a buyer's market. I, I will agree with that. So I do want to let you go here, Amir. Before mm-hmm. I do, as an entrepreneur, can you provide maybe one or two little nuggets of wisdom or from your experience of anything of encouragement uh, that you can pass along to our I entrepreneurs out there? the corona will pass and we will stay. So let's get ready for the day after. And whatever we do now will determine where we are in the day after. So whatever actions we take now will position us in the day after. So that's all I have to say. And that's a great way to end this. So uh, let, let's the do corona that. corona so... will pass and we will stay. Ab- and, absolutely. You know, what we're doing now will determine in what stage we will be in the day after. Thank you for that. So Amir Rebe. Founder and president of Hype Sports Innovation. Thanks so much for this conversation today. This has been very uh, informative and inspirational for me, and I hope that all of our listeners feel the same. So thanks so much for this, and hey, have a great day. Stay safe and stay active. And as we come out the other side of this, I look forward to meeting you in real life in person sometime very soon. And I hope that happens when you come back over over here to North America. Great work you're doing. Okay, you take care, and we'll, we'll talk very soon. So that's a wrap for this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mir Rebe, founder and president of Hype Sports Innovation. If you'd like to learn more, go to our episode show page where we've included additional links and content. I'd like to extend my gratitude and thanks to our sponsor partners, British Columbia Golf and Golf Genius Software, for help making the Mod Golf Podcast happen. Without their support, I wouldn't be able to bring you these engaging stories from the golf industry's brightest innovators and influencers. If you enjoyed this conversation about entrepreneurship in the golf industry, you can find more of our innovation stories on previous episodes at mod.golf, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you go for your podcast fix. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks very much for joining me. Bye for now.